Come with me as we dive into some of the most intimate diaries a person could share. My mission is to inspire you to push through during the toughest of times, too. Thank you for being here. I can't wait for you to hear these stories. This is Push Diaries Podcast. I'm your host, Tess. Hey everybody, here we are with another week of awesome, inspiring content to bring you. This next episode, episode 15, is about my friend Ness. I met him when we were both working for SEMSIL as social workers and disability services. I remember first meeting him and him walking into the room, and he took my breath away, honestly, because he's a giant six-foot-plus tall guy who is extraordinarily kind, extraordinarily good-looking, and extraordinarily good at what he does. And as you'll soon find out, as you hear his story, many other people have been intimidated by him. He never looks at his skin color like a weakness, though, which I think is most amazing. When so many of us in his position would become victims of our situation instead of trying to make ourselves better and to rise above. Come along with me and hear Ness's story of overcoming and resilience. Since working with Ness, he has created his own organization out of Rochester, Minnesota, and intends to instill confidence, hope, faith, and kindness into the heart and soul of our youth. Without further ado, here is Ness, episode 15. I'm excited to have you on. I love that you're doing Hope Fuse. I want to learn more about it. I was just on your website and it's like so cool to see your board of directors and all the people that are getting excited and on board with you. Like, especially from where you and I came from, you know, when we met in, what was that? Like 2017, I think. 2017, yeah. Yeah. So if you could just introduce yourself, talk about who you are. Okay. Um, I'm good. Hopefully we can get more people learning about Hope Fuse and if nothing else, just your mission of helping youth, because I know that, you know, we've all been an adolescent in this country one way or another. Um, right. Maybe not everyone listening, but most of us. And, you know, you and I have a unique perspective as social workers. That'd be perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, my name is uh, Manasseh Kambaki. A lot of people call me Ness. Um, so that that name actually originated from um, my high school days. My uh, my uh, senior uh, basketball coach uh, couldn't pronounce my name. Uh, so then we were just like, all right, you know, um, and then my assistant basketball coach was like, all right, let's just call him Ness. Uh, so Mr. Kelly, I uh, love that man. He's taught me a lot. He was actually one of my mentors. And actually, you know, kind of like guided me along the way of, you know, choosing uh, what college to go to um, and kind of just preparing me for the whole recruiting uh, aspect and how that whole process goes. Uh, so he kind of taught me a lot. You know, he went to Syracuse University, played basketball, uh, four years of basketball there. Um, and then he had a child when he was young. So then he didn't get to pursue his uh, professional career. Uh, so that's something that was like his main focus to let me know to not make the same mistake that he did. Um, so, I mean, I didn't make the same mistake his did, but I, I, um, I ended up breaking my foot. So that's what led me to, to, you know, come back to Minnesota or move to the Midwest is, is I never imagined moving, ever moving back to the Midwest. Um, so I guess we start from the, from the, from the, from the bottom and, you know, kind of like how I grew up. Um, you know, so my dad's a pastor, (laughs) my dad's a pastor, you know, so I'm a, I'm a PK, uh, grew up in uh, Barron Springs, Michigan. So. 
Um, where are you in, in Ann Arbor? Yeah, Ann Arbor. How far away is the town you grew up in from here? Because I'm not familiar with all the towns. I want to say it's probably two, two and a half hours or maybe two hours from uh, Barron Springs, Michigan to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so whatever. Okay. Yeah. So I have family. Yeah, in Grand, Grand Rapids. I think Grand Rapids from here is like exactly two, two and a half hours. Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Yeah, Tyler and I went up there last fall and went to the bodies exhibit, which was really crazy. But it's a beautiful city. I I love it. So okay. who knows where life will take us. But yes. it's kind of fun yeah. that we have that connection. Like we met in Minnesota, but now I'm out here. So now you're in my home state. Hopefully it's treating you well. Oh, yeah, it is. I, You know, Ness, I love that there's just so many people here. You get that. It's like Rochester is really not that big, but like in no. comparison to the amount of people out here. So yeah, yeah, Michigan is amazing. You know, even Grand Rapids is is uh, is one of the gro- the biggest growing city in, uh, in in all of Michigan. You know, so I, I my oh. goal is I try to come out uh, at least every year or at least every two years just to visit. Uh, Grand Rapids, you know, go back to my home, my hometown, uh, you know, just visit the school. Um, so what my my mission is actually in the next two years um, is just to go back there and be a guest speaker and, you know, talk to the kids that are going, you know, in the same schools that I went to. Um, and just being that, you know, that motivational uh, that that person that they can look up to and said, hey, you know, what he he went through the same school. He went through you know, Sylvester middle school. Um, I didn't make it to high school because then we moved in eighth grade to Connecticut. Uh, but my goal uh, when I was in fourth grade, my goal was, uh, you know, to play high school. Uh, my, my my thing was I wanted to be uh, I wanted to break all the records, actually, all the school records. Uh, so I, I got a little bit of a head start in, in middle school. I kind of broke a couple records for basketball and so forth. But then um, that's sweetness. I love is. that you want to go back. <laughs> yeah. And like be a visual representation of like what you can be if you put your nose to the grindstone and you know work with the people around you i i think working with youth is so powerful and such a needed thing i read on your website somewhere that it's not about necessarily a program right that we put kids into but mentors that we can show kids that like hey you can do this we've we've done it and you can't too so it's just super super cool hey if you ever do come back, holler at me because I would totally come to a school with you and be like the disability piece. So no, definitely. I, I think um, I think we should uh, we should we should put something together. Um, I know with this this year with COVID nineteen, it's probably not going to happen. But you know, let's look at uh, putting something together for next year. Yeah, I'm so down. That's just so cool. Tasha Shu. I don't know if you know who she is, but she fell and broke her neck when she was like in a play in high school, and she was just on an episode. I think she was eleven. Okay. Um, but she now has, you know, lived, I think she's reaching like 20 years of being in a wheelchair. You know, she's, she uses a power wheelchair, but she shifted her focus from just motivational speaking to like suicide awareness and okay. um, talking with kids, you know, with youth, especially about, hey, you can get through this. And I love that you're doing that too. When When we think about all the problems in the world, it's like our youth is, is what we need to focus on so that oh, they definitely. can grow up and be... Yeah, that's a huge deal. It is a huge deal, you know, and it's it's, it's kind of funny when um, what I'm about to tell you. So ever since I was younger, right, being uh, the, the, the firstborn in my family, you know, being the firstborn in, in a lot of families where, you know, you, you come it comes with a lot of responsibility. So, you know, you're, for, you're forced to grow up earlier than your peers. You know, ever since I was about, you know, I would say 12 years old, I've always been a, a, a 
a mentor and kind of just like telling kids like, hey, you know, we shouldn't do that because X, Y and Z is going to happen. Or I don't want to do this because I know I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get the hands put on me if I do something like that by my, my parents, yeah. you know, and, and not in a, in a negative way, but always looking at the consequences with our actions. You know, so it's weird for a 12 year old even to be thinking about, you know, consequences. So um, the joke was everybody, you know, used to call me, oh, you know, come on, grandpa. Uh, you know, just have some fun and this and that. I'm like, yeah, I want to have some fun, but I also don't want to get in trouble and grounded and all this other stuff because I learn from a distance. Right. So if I see you getting in trouble and you getting grounded for a month because you're doing X, Y, Z, I'm not going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to be like, OK, right. this is what John did to get in trouble. I'm not going to do what John did. So uh, yeah. I, lo- I always learn from a distance. And then I don't know if you remember this, but in our orientation at our sim cell, uh, it was you, uh, Victoria and Michelle. Um, and I remember, I think it was like day four, you know, you guys were just like, geez, why, you know, why do you always dress up and this and that? And then I think Michelle was the one that was like, you're going to be going places someday. You're going to be taking over Jacob's job. And I was just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Um, you know, so it goes back even further than that, where, you know, like I've always had people that have believed in me, but then I never really saw myself doing what people said that I was going to do because, I mean, when you grow yeah. up as an African-American kid, you don't get to see a lot of people of color that are in leadership positions um, or even, you know, like CEO, presidents or anything like that. So for me, when um, it really hit for me that, hey, you know, I could I could be whatever I want to be. I mean, basketball always provided that confidence for me because, I, I mean, I knew I could do whatever I wanted to do. But being a person right. of color, there's only so far that you could go without, you know, the system of, uh, you know, uh, systematic racism that limits to your, your ability to do what you want to do. So, for example, the other reason why I was actually fired from SimCell, I mean, you guys know, you, you know exactly what it was. And I, I just feel some people felt uh, intimidated by, uh, you know, by my education, um, my relationship with people that, you know, we talked about that I, that I talked to or uh, that I met along the way. Um, so that's that's just a. Uh, that's just the uh, the territory that comes with being with a person of color. You know, uh, people are going to look at you weird. Um, and then if you're doing the right thing, they feel intimidated and then they want to cut you down. You know, so. Yeah. So, yeah, it goes yeah. back to. Wait, yeah. From the time you were an adolescent, you kind of always felt like there was a umbrella of like just shade or negativity put over you because of your color, which is so sad. Right. Um, and, you know, Ness, that's all the more reason that that your work is so important because, you know, we all need to make sure that our youth feel important and valued. I mean, Mm -hmm. skin color, ageism, ableism, it doesn't matter what your disability is. No. So I love that. So how many siblings do you have? Tell me about your mom and dad. Why did you learn not to get in trouble or hardships that have happened to you in your life? Um, I saw something on Hope Fuse about your uncles. If you could talk about that fear and that overarching umbrella, how you were kind of able to start poke, poking holes in that mm-hmm. and really get a grip of what you were able to accomplish. Yeah, so I'll start with, uh, with uh, you know, my siblings and my family structure. Uh, so, you know, so I have uh, two brothers and a baby sister. She's uh, there's about a 10 year uh, age gap between me and her. Uh, and then also my siblings. So my younger brother, he's four years younger than me. And then my other brother, he just turned uh, 24, um, no, 25, somewhere on there. Uh, so my my younger brother actually lives in the Twin Cities. Um, 
he, he actually was in Grand Rapids for two years, moved up to Minnesota. Uh, I kind of took him under my wing, you know, try to mentor him, trying to show him the right way to go about doing things. Um, and then, you know, so he moved on to Minneapolis and, and kind of did his thing there. Um, so growing up, you know, as, as a pastor's kid, you know, my father, I can remember at a, at a very young age, right, because I, I was like a sponge. You know, so I, whatever I heard, I, I kind of took it in and kind of had a different thought process than, than other kids. You know, so I remember my, my father having a conversation with me saying, hey, at the end of the day, just remember that whatever you do, you represent me because not only because you're my son, but because you carry my last name. And then if you really think about that, it goes a long it goes a long way because your name is, is more like a legacy, right? So whatever I did as a child, that also reflected on uh, the parenting skills that my parents provided for us. Um, and I didn't want to tame that because my dad was a pastor. He was a leader of the church. Uh, he was a president of the conference of the church, you know, so um, not to say that, that that was the main reason why I, I chose not to get in trouble, but I just didn't want to get in trouble. I didn't want to get grounded. I didn't want to be punished uh, for, you know, stupidity, even though I was a kid and, you know, kids make right. mistakes. Um, but yeah. I think I, I learned did, I learned differently. Yeah. What did you think about faith growing up as a pastor's kid? Like, did you feel from a young age that like God had you or was on your side or was he absent? Like, what was your relationship with God as a young kid? Yeah, so my relationship with God as a young kid and until, you know, even to my adulthood now at age 34, it's always been a main focus, right? So I remember, I want to say we were about, I was about age 10. Yeah, 10 years old. Um, and and uh, we were we were facing um, getting evicted from a house. Right. So, you know, my, my dad came home, uh, kind of told the family, you said, hey, you know what, we got to pray about this. And I remember we prayed, um, which felt like a week, but I know it's probably like two days. Uh, but it was just, you know, a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting. And, you know, God answered the prayer. And then, you know, we didn't have we didn't have to face, you know, eviction or anything like that. And that goes through, uh, you know, the rest of my life where, you know, without God, without strong parents, without guidance in life, I, I wouldn't be where I am today, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, so I give yeah. all the credit, uh, you know, to God and, and my parents and also myself for making the choosing the right decisions. But, you know, faith to me is big because I've seen. I've seen miracles happen, right? I've seen, I've personally seen miracles happen to people, uh, for people, uh, and also for myself. And, you know, one perfect example I could give when I was age 16, 16, 17 years old, um, it was my best friend and I just dropped off my mom at work. Um, you know, so again, being the oldest in the family, you, 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 you have to grow up fast. So I, I was dropping off my mom. That's when we lived in Connecticut. It was about a 25 minute drive to her work. Uh, dropped her off at 2.30. My friend and I are driving back home. Uh, I'm on the highway. And for some reasons, for some odd reason, um, I, I was in the left lane, which was a fast lane. You know, you're 16 years old. You know, you want to drive fast. And, you know, but I was, I was always safe. Um, so for some odd reason, there was a van coming up, approaching us on the other side of the highway. Um, not in our lane, but on the other side. And I was just like, I looked over my shoulder. And I got into the right lane. As soon as I got into the right lane, the van across the highway, maybe about 20 feet away from us, flipped, did about five flips, um, rolled over, 
And then we, I immediately went over to the side of the road, um, you know, just freaked out because just think about it. If I was in that lane, that could have been an accident. I wouldn't be here today. Wow. Yeah. Right? So it's insane. That, right. That right there was, it's, it's a miracle. So, you know, my friend and I, we, we stopped the car freaking out. There's people that stop in and, you know, for some weird reason, I got out the car on a busy highway, got out the car, ran towards a van to check if the person was okay. You know, he got out and the only thing that he had was, uh, uh, it kind of looked like he peed his pants, which he probably did, but that was the only thing. Right? He had no scratches or anything like that. So yeah, it was, he was just freaked out. He was just like, I don't know how I'm alive right now. Wow. So I was, you know, I'm like 16 years old and this man was probably 30 and I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Like, other than you're okay, you're walking, you're talking, you have no yeah. scratches. Wow. Yeah. 16 years old. Yeah. To witness that at 16, I would have been like mind boggled myself. And Ness, that's super cool too that you were like, all right, I'm putting on my superhero costume and I'm going to go <laughs> that guy. Because you're like, what else do you do? You're not going to just keep driving after you see something no. like that. So. No, you know, so I think that's the whole uh, Good Samaritan. Uh, you know, as it states in the Bible, where a lot of people, you know, uh, just rode their donkeys or whatever besides the, uh, the, the bystanders. But then that good Samaritan actually stopped and helped them. You know, so that was something that's been uh, been taught to me since I was, you know, a little kid. Um, just how to treat people the way you want to be treated, uh, not judging anyone um, and just loving everybody. You know, at the end of the day, I'm human. Amen. And I'm make mistakes, but, you know, and that's the reason why um, I chose a field that I was in, you know, to work with people with disabilities. Um, because I felt like when I was younger, I was labeled, um, you know, actually my fourth grade teacher told me that I wasn't going to graduate high school. Uh, she literally told me that you what? won't graduate. Yeah. Fourth grade. I mean, I, I too, that is so wrong. Ness. Did she tell other students that too? I'm not sure, but I just, I, I remember her telling me that in fourth grade, right? Um, why, how the hell did that come up? So it came up as, you know, um, fourth, fifth grade. I lost my two uncles, right? You know, back to back. You know, so then I was depressed. Um, you know, I love sports. I played soccer. I played basketball. Um, so those, you know, I, I even really stopped enjoying playing sports or anything like that because I was worried about, okay, what family member am I going to be losing next? Right. So back in my days of school, if something tragic happened at school, you didn't have uh, uh, a squad team of social workers coming to talk to kids. You know, you just dealt with it. Uh, and then also, you know, like teachers didn't have anybody in place for me to talk to. Um, oh. You know, my parents, you know, it, it was just I never really had anybody to talk to about um, about what death was. You know, so my dad, you know, he was busy. Yeah. Uh, you know, pastor focused on um, that aspect of life and, you know, going through that. But, you know, I just never had anybody to really talk to about it. So, you know, like death is something that's a. Uh, uh, I mean, I still suffer from that at, at my age now at 34 years old, where that's like something traumatic that has happened to me because I've lost a lot of, you know, lo loved ones. I've lost the best friend that got killed overseas um, and I haven't even been to his grave site um, just because I don't do well with death. Uh, you know, so that's what happened. And, um, I, you know, I could I could I could forgive the teacher for saying something like that. But as a teacher, as a mentor, as a, you know, as somebody that's teaching kids. You know, she should have been more understanding um, and kind of talk to me or look for ways that help me. Right. But that that comes with, uh, you know, 
that comes with a lot of the systematic uh, racism or, or just the system, how it's built from, um, I mean, the school, the prisons all go back to slavery, the police departments yeah. and all that. Uh, so I think, you know, she, you know, they just look at uh, a lot of kids and just say, well, if you're not at this level, at this age, you know, have you ever heard of the, the school to prison pipeline? Tell me about it. Yeah. So the school to prison pipeline is where, you know, they, they expect kids uh, to be at a certain level. So a, a lot of kids that, you know, uh, have darker skin, if they're not at a certain level, that's where they look at, OK, we know these kids are not going to graduate high school. Um, so let's go build these prisons because that's where we know that they're going to end up. Right. So that oh goes back God. to. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's, it's unique. It makes me so sick and pissed off. I feel like if I was a woman of color, I would be just so vengeful. Seriously. Like and just hearing hearing your story about that teacher, like no matter what color you are or or even like if I was in a chair at that school, you know, when you're a kid, like you said, you're a sponge. Every kid is. Every kid when you're yeah looking up to a teacher who is supposed to be instilling confidence in you and possibility Mm. resilience and hope I mean I'm you're a you're a bigger man than me for forgiving her because she said it to you but I'm pissed off yes and you know I guess that comes also with uh like with my faith right so like my parents always taught you know uh, be respectful um and you know other things where it, it, it you know, it's sad what I'm about to say, but a lot of kids of, uh, you know, black and brown kids, Hispanic, Mexican kids, you know, they're taught by their parents, you know, you just shut up and you deal with it because they don't want to deal with, um, you know, the backlash, the backlash, yeah. right? You know, so this that's what, so, this is, yeah. right, because they know, well, there's nothing we can do, but that's the beauty of like this generation now where they have social media, they have a voice where I was yeah. taught, you just shut up. And if the teacher is accusing you of doing something, then it must be true because why would an adult lie to lie about it? You know, so I've had uh, instances like that that's happened in my life where adult has made a false claim about me and it's been reported to my parents. And, you know, automatically, you know, your parents are going to believe or take what adult says, but then it's really not true. You know, so that's why with our program here, you know, we advocate for the kids because I've been in situations where uh, adults, teachers or people at a church uh, accuse me of something. And, you know, I remember when in high school, I was just like, no, this is I've had enough of this. Why are you always picking on me? You know, so then I stood up and said something. Yeah. I said something to my parents, you know, so then my dad was yeah. like, whoa, don't really speak up. So that's when he took me seriously. When my parents took me yeah. seriously. You know, it's just like, no, I'm not going to get accused of doing things because you have something out for me. I'm so glad that your dad and your mom knew who to believe. You know, when push came to shove, they they knew the son they raised mm-hmm. and they knew it wasn't aligning with what was being said about you. And you're right. I mean, it, that kind of happened to you at Semsil. I mean, it did. They, they right. accused you of things that they had no backing on. You were a wonderful social worker to the kids that you worked with. And, you know, I actually ended up leaving shortly after you did for the same frustrations. That's you know, right. I felt like I they were that. slapping my hands for dumb stuff that I was like, this is so stupid. I don't even want to spend my time, you know, advancing a company that I feel like, like isn't even treating me or my friend who is of color with respect, you know? Right. So it it sucked in the moment, but I'm so glad we're out of there. And I'm so glad your parents, again, instilled in you from a young age, your confidence and your faith in God and you as an individual and all the things you can accomplish, because it's way more than any of those people that doubt you, you know? 
All right. I appreciate right. that. I appreciate that. And, I, you know, I appreciate, you know, when uh, uh, you and uh, other uh, colleagues, you know, uh, co-workers came, you know, and actually listened to what I had to say and kind of tell them what the real truth was, um, you know, because there's there's no way that it's, you know, it was uh, I was frustrated. Uh, you know, I wanted to, you know, do a lawsuit and all that stuff. But, you know, my, my father, again, uh, being the, the man that he is, he's just like, it's, you know, it's just a it's a waste of your energy. Uh, I mean, you know what you did. You you know who you are. Right. You know your values, you know your morals, you know, just move on. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, God will do with people that treat you wrong. You know, so that's how I moved on from SimCell and into the, the next phase of my career where I, I think I went to uh, Ram or Cardinal um after that and did you know did some hr stuff but you know that br- that brings me to where i am now where now i am the face of the organization right so then i've worked at all these other organizations and i know the weakness and how they treat employees i will never ever treat an employee in any way that makes them feel devalued or feel less of a person or um any accusations you know like yeah, my thing is i invest in all my employees or on my staff. Uh, I don't really like to call them staff. I just like to call them uh, my team members. You know, I just, I, I like to empower uh, people around me instead of devalue them, right? Because I've always, I've That's been, awesome. I've been, I've, you know, I've had people that have, you know, looked down on me, you know, just for the, the simple as, you know, the color of my skin. I mean, right now, you know, I go to certain meetings, you know, I have my tag, you know, that says my name, my title, my organization, and, and still people, question or or, or um, look at me different like oh you're capable of, of running your own, your own organization because typically they want you to work for them right and and i know my value in myself i know what i bring to the table so it's just like no i'm not going to work for you i'm not going to yeah. invest in a company that doesn't really you know give to value you. you know yeah. so um, yeah yeah no hit me with some more questions this is good yeah i love it it's so cool it you know, not seriously. I, I'm I'm blown away at your resilience. And again, your your dad sounds like such a strong man. So you didn't have to get evicted. Do you mind me asking what happened to your uncles? Was it like their death happened with mental health in a way that made you fearful or doubtful in yourself as you grew up? Is that a dumb question? No, no, that's not a dumb question. No, I think um, you know, at at my age now. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier with, you know, death, it's something that is really traumatic to me. I really don't know how or how they passed away. I just know that I lost my two uncles and I really didn't want to know how they passed away. Um, till this day, you know, maybe, maybe as I get a little older, I'll find out and, you know, maybe sit down and kind of talk to my, uh, my parents and my, uh, my uncles and, and kind of see, you know, okay, what happened to this uncle and what happened to that uncle? But, I do know health-wise, um, both my grandma uh, on both sides are healthy. Uh, I still have my grandma on my mom's side. Uh, she's 73, but she probably looks like she's wow. 53. Uh, she's got a lot yeah. of energy. Um, but I did, you awesome. know, I did lose, I did lose my grandpa at a, at a young age. Um, you know, so that's always I've really never really had a true grandpa. Uh, you know, so that's why family to me is very very important because. Uh, when I moved to Minnesota, I've always been away from family, um, you know, so there's families, 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 everything to me uh, because I've lost yeah. families. I've been distant for so long. Um, so I value the time that I spend with family. Yeah, very cool. And I, you know, just you even talking about your employees, it's like you want to have 
a professional relationship with them, but also a familiar and friendship type relationship. I love that because, you know, life gets hard. Um, None of our lives are going to be perfectly easy, smooth sailing. So the fact that you're opening up that vulnerability and genuinity, if that's a word, um, (laughs) with with your employees, I think Ness is so great. Um, Really instilling from the inside of your company out to all the people that you work with. I mean, that sounds like a healthy network to me that anyone would be super fortunate to be a part of. So congratulations. It's super, super cool. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, once we update our, our website, you know, my staff is uh, mostly women uh, of different different backgrounds. Uh, my staff is very diverse, which you will not find anywhere here in the city of Rochester. And the reason why I did yes. that is because I know... I know the struggle and, and how women are treated. Um, I mean, I kind of compare that to how uh, black men are treated. I mean, we get treated not the same, but, you know, we all go through the same ringer where um, you don't get paid the same. Uh, the pay scale right. is different. Um, you always looked at different. You always uh, questioned, even though you have the skills, you know. So uh, I've always made it my goal to empower women. Um, so that's, that's exactly what I, I try to do here at Whole Fuse and, you know, just yeah. invest in them, uh, have personal development, uh, coaches that, that meet Love with it. them. Um, so yeah, I mean, Hope Fuse is a great place and, you know, uh, my screening process is, uh, is, 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 is tough. It's tough, you know, cause I have to feel comfortable in, in anybody that I bring through the doors that works with our kids. Um, right. Yeah. How uh, did you meet these guys? I mean, they look great. How did you get in contact with everybody, Ness? Yeah, so most of these people, you know, like I, I know them or I, I've, I've gotten to, to know them a little bit. And then I also put them through the ringer for, uh, you know, just interviews. Uh, so the first interview, you know, anybody can make a first interview. Uh, so there's actually three interviews that they have to do. Uh, the second one is with me and a board member. And then I also have a third one after, you know, just analyzing and kind of uh, sitting back and, and looking at the notes that I've taken through the, the interview. But, you know, I try to bring in or uh, I want to bring in, actually, I don't try. I want to bring in staff who are uh, who are going to buy into the program, to the vision, to the mission statement, and to our core values. You know, and, and, and you've known me from, you know, working at SIMSA where, you know, like disability, uh, racism, uh, anything like that, I, I really don't have no, I have no time for it. And I tell, I tell not only our staff, but I tell the youth. Um, that's one, one of the ways that you will get kicked out of the program. And that's one of the ways that my staff will get fired um, as if anybody's being treated differently because, you know, they might have a disability or they might be gay or um, whatever that is. Um, I don't have time for it. So, yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, I mean, the, the negative that people focus on is really draining. And, you know, we talk about social media and we can get connected quick, but it's also a struggle because there's so much misinformation out there and people share memes that are offensive or distasteful, you know, um, it's hard. So Ness, how do you juggle that now with youth living in a social media age? Because I mean, it's got to be different than from when you and I were kids. I mean, I remember I would like chat with people on AIM or, you know, like have a MySpace. (laughs) Like now thinking president is ridiculous and makes more comments from his Twitter feed like an idiot than he actually talks about these youth that need confidence, but is surrounded by all this negativity. Right. Right. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I think I'm a couple years older than you, but, uh, you know, just, that's one thing that we teach here at Whole Fuse is, you know, uh, you know, our core values are respect, dignity, integrity. Uh, you know, so we teach that to our kids where, 
what are you saying or how are you carrying yourself or how are you treating others? You know, what you put on social media can hurt you, can can have long lasting effects that you may not think about now. Um, but, you know, if you apply for a job or um, let's say you, you become a president of an organization, they could always look back at what you posted and that could ruin, you know, that could ruin your career. So, you know, it's tough with these kids because bullying is, is at a, is an all time high. Um, the bullying is nonstop um, because, you know, you're not just dealing with it at school. You're dealing with it on social media. Uh, you're dealing with it on Twitter, uh, especially if, you know, you, you, you have uh, happy Twitter fingers. You know, a lot of people are just quick to post something and not really uh, think about the, uh, uh, the consequences that's going to have with that send button. You know, so that's something that we yeah. teach in our program. Um, and that's something that I hold um, high to, to the staff is to make sure you practice what you preach um, and always always talking positive. You know, if it's a corrective that we're teaching the kids, make sure that we're talking to them about why we're correcting them and then and then moving right. forth with that. Yeah. Good question. Yeah, it's it's important. I yeah, I don't know how you do that. But again, it's like just opening up that line of communication as a mentor with kids and having your, you know, office or whatever be a safe space where they can vent to you. Um, that's probably going to be really important with the social media. Um, Definitely. Just cr- craze that's going on. <laughs> um, so you met these people, you got in touch with them, you have a great board of director, d- directors, you would love to like expand and do public speaking. I think that's awesome. Do you hope to like mature Hope Fuse to a point where you could like give it away? Or do you hope to take it with you and make more chapters? Or maybe you don't know yet. Oh, you know, so this Hope Fuse is my baby. Hope Fuse is my baby. Um, you know, so my goal is to expand it to, you know, at least three or four different states. Um, one of the states is actually going to be Michigan, you know, because Michigan is, is, is no, it's where it started for me. Uh, Michigan is in my heart. It's always going to be there. And then, you know, I always want to go back and, and help out and, and, you know, just to give back to my community. And, you know, because Hope Fuse, you know, a lot of people um, don't really understand, but Hope Fuse is needed not just in, in the country, but this is something that's needed worldwide. Uh, oh, every yeah. kid needs this program or needs somebody that's a mentor. And, you know, it's just something that I want to grow. I wanted to grow into something even bigger than myself. And that's the reason why I started this organization, because um, I wanted to do something that's bigger than myself. So this was actually a call in to, to, to start an organization and, you know, kind of be a disciple and kind of lead and be that that shining light, you know, in dark times for kids. Um, and I just want them that's to, amazing. you know, to. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's going to be coming to Michigan um, sometime. Um, When it's going to be, you you know, before uh, the rest of the world knows, uh, you and the the board of directors. So definitely. Yeah, well, I'm so excited for you. I mean, this work, like you said, it's needed worldwide and it's nothing to laugh at or minimize. Again, our youth is so important. And Ness, I didn't go through really much depression when I was a kid, but. Man, I can see how in your situation, I probably would have. I know I would have. Hey, everyone. I wanted to tell you about Patreon. Patreon gives creators of all kinds the tools needed to acquire, manage, and energize their paying patrons. Support Push Diaries by subscribing to our Patreon page where you'll get exclusive content not found anywhere else. 
We just started a special series where me and my fiance Tyler talk about life and how we push forward together. Just go to patreon.com, create a profile, and become a patron of Push Diaries Podcast and thousands of others. Thanks, and we'll talk again soon. So what things now moving forward in your life as a man who's grown up with confidence now and you can kind of defeat your demons and like, you know, you can label them and and pull them out and be like, nope, that's not me. That's not my reality. How is it now? Like, what things do you fear now? Um, And and how would you say you've been resilient? Um, I know that's kind of a broad, random question, but resiliency is like a huge, huge part of this podcast, just sharing people's stories of overcoming hardships. Um, Yeah. How would you, how would you define resiliency in your life? I know you've said faith and family. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So faith, faith and families, you know, is huge. Um, um, But besides that, I would say uh, playing sports, you know, so sports taught me a lot in life and just never to give up. And I have a, a mindset that's a little bit on the nut side when it comes to um, never giving up, right? So uh, Kobe Bryant, arguably my favorite athlete of all time, uh, not just what he did on the basketball court, but just like his mindset, um, you know, where he was kind of the same, you know, as, as, a, as a Michael Jordan, um, but just never giving up and having that Mamba mentality where to, to do something that's bigger than yourself and just knowing I don't even know how to really explain it. But when I have uh, an idea and, and, and I know it's going to be impactful, you know, just like Hope Fuse, I know that I'm going to come across a lot of people that are going to be telling me negative things. OK, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. Um, it's tough with finding grants and doing anything like that. But I know that what I'm doing is going to be impactful, right? So right now it's, yes. it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a hard times, um, of, of, of starting a business, but what I've gone through in the last eight months, what I've gone through with COVID-19 has really opened my eyes. COVID-19 has been a blessing in disguise in itself, but that's a yeah. whole nother conversation. Uh, but I just know that, um, giving up is not an option, especially being a person of color, where uh, no matter what it is, um, it could be a regular job, you know, uh, a direct support professional in a group home. You always have to work two times harder than the than, than the other person, you know. So that's something that I've been yeah. doing my whole life is always working two times harder um, to to just get things done. So I have to I have to show that, and and then I have to empower the youth. I have to show the youth that hey, you can't you can't give up, you know, just because somebody. Uh, thinks you shouldn't. So I, I think I put out a, uh, a post yesterday on uh, on the whole fuse page. Um, I said somebody's opinion doesn't have to be your uh, doesn't have to become your re- reality. Um, and I think a lot Love of kids. Are, yes, a lot of kids, you know, they 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 hear things. I mean, and the other thing that we talk about here, whole fuse is words have life. Words have life. So if you constantly told that, you know, you're a piece of crap or you're stupid, you're not going to amount to anything. Uh, you know, you have a disability, you can't do this, or you're a girl, you can't do this. Mm-mm, that doesn't work. Um, so I feel sorry yeah. for my sister growing up. I mean, we didn't treat her like a girl. <laughs> you 
you know, for, yeah. for that reason where it's just yeah, like, you, oh, yep. you know, she you, was raised up just like you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so, uh, well, you know, sometimes a lot of amazing. people say, yeah, you know, sometimes a lot of people say, you know, you're, you're tough on kids or, you know, you show tough love. It's just like, I was showing tough love and I'm doing just fine. The work you're doing is amazing. Thank you. I'm super excited to see it explode and get really big. Oh, um, It'll happen. Yeah. Yes. How long did you like pray for this and meditate on it before you were like, all right, it's time. Like what shifted in you that was just like, all right, it's time. <laughs> you know, so uh, prior to this, I was working at a, 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 at a facility, whatever, a company here in, in Rochester. It's called Gage East. It's, uh, uh, it's government funded, um, so it's uh, supportive housing, which I don't really agree with uh, the whole philosophy behind that, where, you know, they just, it's a, it's a building, it's apartment building where it's both for, uh, you know, homeless families and homeless youth. Uh, so they have uh, a shelter, beautiful building. It's only about three, four years old now. Um, you know, you, you either have to be homeless and also maybe have a disability uh, to be put in that, that building or to qualify to live there. Um, so what did it for me was prior to working there, I already uh, put Hope Fuse together. I had my business plan. I, w- I had what I wanted to do. And just working there actually opened my eyes to why systematic racism exists, to why uh, Section 8, to why poverty, to why food stamps, to why all of these things exist. And it was just a better understanding of why that is created, because at the end of the day, they, they want people to, to be comfortable living in the Section 8. Or to be comfortable living and 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 banking on the government and food stamps and stuff like that, instead of empowering these people, you just letting them depend on the government, you know. And that goes yeah. back, to, you know, if that goes back to slavery again, right? You know, so uh, uh, yeah. you know, if you have time, I would I would advise you and anybody, you know, just to learn more about the you know our country, our darkest history. Um, there's a couple movies out there. Uh, it's called Thirteenth um, on Netflix. Um, and also there's another one, um, it's called, uh, teach us. Um, and that's, you know, that covers about, you know, the school system. Um, and then also just mercy, uh, Jamie Foxx is in that movie. Great movie. And then also if you, if you have time, uh, make sure you have a lot of tissues next to you. Um, but it's a movie called, uh, when they see us. So that one is all yes. about, um, um you know, the five uh, black kids that were uh, accused of uh, murder in uh, in New York. And actually, Pre- President Trump back then said that those kids should be, uh, you know, punished and executed. And he still says that now um, as a president, as a yeah. leader. Uh, so those are just Ridiculous. a couple movies that, yeah, we don't even want to go into talking yeah. about him. But, yeah, um, I know, right? It's things. ugly stuff. Like after that, because I was actually in grad school, right? So my goal was I was going to work yeah. there, uh, finish grad school. And then start a whole fuse. Uh, six, seven yeah. months, you know, until the job, I was just like, nope, I can't do this. Um, I see the need. I, I know the need is out there. So I said, you know what? I uh, I actually talked to the organ. I talked to that organization and said, hey, you know what? Maybe we could partner. Um, I could b- provide my services because there's, these services are lacking here. Uh, these kids, only thing that only thing that they see, you know, is what's ahead of them, right? So we're living in a, a Section Eight building. Uh, we don't have a father. We don't have a role model. Um, my dad is in jail. I just knew that if I don't do anything now, this is just going to get worse, worse and worse. Um, you know, so then I, that's why I made a decision. Um, I put in my notice in um, 
And then I started Whole Fuse. You know, I, I, I took a leap of faith. And, I'm, you know, I'm not even a year into the, the organization yet, but I've, I've done I've covered a lot with a lot of help from, uh, uh, you know, board of directors, uh, people that I trust. Um, and of course, you know, my faith and, you know, uh, my Lord and Savior, you know, it's taken me a lot, a long ways. So this is just one business of another business that's going to be coming here in the, in the next six months. It's super exciting. I, yeah, it's going to go a long ways. And I'm just so thankful that you did it and believed in yourself. And now look at you. It's like so exciting. Um, and, you know, what's crazy, too, is like you're probably going to end up working with Sunsill and working with that Section 8 housing and, you know, really seeing Rochester as a whole start to become healthier and healthier. Right. Do you envision us going into schools or doing like, you know, with COVID-19, I know that's hard, but like, do you envision being able to do one-on-ones with kids over Zoom? Like, what does this look like uh, moving forward? Yeah, so, you know, uh, it, it, I'm glad you asked that question because the vision behind Hope Fuse was to be in the schools uh, doing the mentoring because, you know, teachers cannot be teachers, parents, uh, and so forth. You know, teachers have a lot of responsibilities. Right. Um, so, you know, you got the yeah, teachers, you got the parents. No, they can't have it all. You know, so they got the teachers, you got the paraprofessionals, uh, but you don't have any mentors, right? Because as a teacher and a paraprofessional, you have certain things that you got to get done, right? So it's all about checking the box. Whereas a mentor, yeah. uh, our, our business model is relationship building, right? You know, we want to build relationships so that we can break down the barriers and then the kids can actually start trusting us as an organization and start trusting our mentors. Um, so uh, I, I, I've talked to the schools, I've talked to Rochester Public Schools, um, but, you know, Rochester Public Schools is another is another institution where systematic racism is live in the well, uh, where, you know, they don't take me serious. Um, and when it comes to contract talks, you know, they want to offer me, uh, you know, peanuts uh, when they're offering other organizations a lot of a lot more money. Um, you know, so I know my value. I know the value that this organization brings, uh, you know, so I, I just don't I don't take that what they're offering. Uh, but, you know, and then COVID-19 hit, uh, you know, so the schools were, you know, how it was. Uh, and then you got the George Floyd uh, murder that happened. So now it's it's opened a lot of people's eyes about what it is about, you know, why people are saying black lives matter, because all lives matter. But we also know that black and brown people, those lives don't matter. I mean, we still treat it as second yeah. class citizens. Um, we, we looked at differently, we judged, um, you know, so, you know, it's kind of frustrating. You, Ness, even just making the example about prisons and jails in black communities is exactly what you're talking about, right? It's like, people don't even take time to understand a minority group. They don't even take time. And, you know, I hate the, I hate what happened to George Floyd. I, hate COVID-19, but I agree with you that sometimes these things can be blessings in disguise where people are going to wake up and start to understand where you're coming from in a way that they never could have before, right. you know? Right. Right. So, you know, all this is, you know, it's happening um, for a reason, right? I mean, because George Floyd's uh, murder has not only gone nationwide, but it's gone globally. I mean, people in Brazil and France and and all these other countries are, are protesting something that they know. I mean, America is not the only country that had slaves, but this is where right. a lot, you know, a, you know, we're still talking about this is 2020. We're still talking about treating yeah. people equally. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's modern day lynching now where black men are getting killed. You know, so like I feel, um, you know, at age 16, I made a decision 
you know, when we get harassed by police officers, you know, getting slammed in the front of the, the police trooper for no apparent reason because you happen to be a black teenager who's walking from the basketball court. Um, I get it. It was it was a rough neighborhood that I grew up in, you know, gunshots, uh, murders, fighting, stabbings, all that was all that was there. You know, so I, I've seen that. I've seen what the violence is. You know, I could have easily yeah. taken that route, you know, but a lot of these kids, a lot of a lot of kids that are uh, making these decisions, one, don't have a father in their life. You know, yeah, so 95 percent. No yeah, there's no men. There's no men. Ninety five percent of the people that are in jail um, don't have a father figure. Ninety seven percent of the men of color that are in prison just just plead guilty because they know that if they keep continue to fight, because you, if you go to trial and you end up being found guilty, you actually get hit with a with, with the larger uh, sentence. You know, so 97 of the people that are in prison are not even found guilty. 97, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, that's a, it's, just, it's sickening. Yeah, you know, so a lot of kids are just like, you know, that's why a lot of people have lost faith into, you know, the police departments, um, the schools. I mean, here in Rochester, yeah. two years in a row where uh, the graduation gap or the punishment gap between uh, white students and non-white students is is, is huge. Um, same thing is going on wow. in Monona where, uh, you know, it's, it's been publicized in, in the newspaper. Um, I mean, this is just this is just a small a small bit of what's really going on in the school systems. Um, and then that yeah. goes back to when I was in the school system, I got treated differently because I was black. I mean, uh, my friend right. asked to go to the bathroom and they let him go to the bathroom. He could be gone for a half hour. Um, and I asked to go to the bathroom and I got to answer 10 questions why I need to go to the bathroom or I got to go to the right. bathroom. You got to pee. Yeah. Or I gotta and why pee. it took you. Yeah. And why it took you five minutes. It's like, do you really want to know what I just did in the bathroom? Yes. I just right. dropped a log off and now I'm <laughs> on my way. You know, yeah. it's like, oh man, Ness. I mean, again, thank you for sharing your story and, you know, I'm really excited to catch up with you and like see where this goes and even just you talking about the lack of mentorship with youth and again even in our police departments I I think it's really interesting we're starting as a society talk about mentorships and social workers working more one-on-one -on -one with police officers and teachers right. so that they can have you know more uh knowledge about mental health and um how these minority groups are truly um, treated differently. And, you know, that's why these conversations are so important to have. And again, the work you're doing is so brave. You know, when I started my podcast, I thought the same thing you did, you know, that little umbrella of negativity where it's like, oh, people are going to say you can't do this and right. you're going to get rejected. Right. But, you know, if you and I keep putting ourselves out there, um, keep the conversation going, you know, people are going to hear it because people there's always people, people that Right. And you mean you gotta you gotta do what I see your dog in the background. <laughs> yeah. I remember petting There's her. Macy. Yeah, I remember Macy. She's so good, Ness. Look at this face though. It's like she's getting gray. I know, my puppy's getting gray too. But he's uh gray he's nine. Yeah. How old is she? Yeah, she's she's nine this year. I so I got her in twenty fifteen, but she was two. So I think she's turning nine. I don't know, I'm bad at math, but <laughs> I know. I wish she, I wish she would live forever. And I got to be honest, man, like when I went through my cancer treatment and then I got Macy, there were days where I was like, dude, my, my service dog might outlive me. So the fact that like I'm cancer free right now and pretty healthy and mm -hmm. she is too, mm -hmm. it's, 
I feel like we're closer now, you know, because I'm healthier. I can play with her more and right. do the fun right. dog walks. But yes, I know I mean, they don't live yeah, long enough. No, they don't. They don't. But I mean, uh, you know, you're doing a great job and, you know, you just got to you're going to have a lot of naysayers out there. Um, but, you know, it would probably be different if you were if you were a male. Um, but, you know, you just got to you got to roll with it. And I always say, you know, girl power. Um, and you just, you know, do you and be confident in yourself. And that's the best that we could do. Right. Because no matter what, somebody's not going to be happy with what we're doing. And I also wanted to mention one thing, because I know as a pack podcast, you know, people going to be like, oh, you know, uh, a black person and black man, you know, he's probably Democratic, this and that. So I just want to go out there, set the record. Um, I'm all about morals, values and, you know, defunding the police. I don't think that's a good idea. But what ne- what needs to be happening is it all needs to be tossed away and, and, and the whole thing needs to be revamped. So, you know, uh, proper training, yes. proper screening um, and, you know, just not filling, filling social positions, workers. social workers, you know, because these people, I mean, going through the military process, you got to go through a strict background process where police officers obviously don't go through the same back- background because there's no way in hell that you could be a cop, but then you've had all these things happen in the past where just being a, a, a an officer in the military, you got to go through screening and screening um, and also interviews. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think I the think yeah. proper way to go about the police department is retraining them and also uh, selecting the people that are going to protect and serve and not have their ego and choose who they're going to serve right. and who they're not going to serve to. Um, I think right. that I just wanted I just wanted to have that out there so people understand. I, I agree with you too, Ness. I mean, skin color, ableism, sexism. I mean, we know it's out there. Um, even ageism, and I I agree. It's it's crazy that our own police officers, and not all of them, because you and I know there are good ones out there. Oh, yeah. We're not saying there's not, but but there's plenty out there, like you said, that have big egos and want to further perpetuate the system and they don't have an understanding of it. And they're the ones that are literally walking on our sidewalks and protecting us as I hold up quotations because, you know, then there's George Floyd. It's messed up. So I agree. The whole thing needs to be revamped. And, um, you know, people like Chauvin who've had 18 offenses or more, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, those those are the type of people that need to be weeded out much exactly. earlier on than he was. So, you know, people don't need to be losing their lives for ignorance. And and I agree with you. I I hope America, you know, being in 2020, the United States, like an old creaky ship. And it's like people are starting to hear the creaks and the groans. Right. And, oh, yeah. And even even white people are getting upset with how black people in this country are treated. And mm-hmm. um, uh, just thank you for being a voice for your people and all people. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? Like, because this is your this is your thing. I mean, is there anything else on your heart, soul, mind that you want to share with listeners that might feel really stuck and, um, you know, not believed in. I, I, I'd love to, you know, leave the floor for you here to say something to people that don't have anything going right in their life. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I know, uh, I talked about faith earlier, but, you know, I would say, you know, like every, every morning, um, my, my routine ever since I was a kid was to, you know, to get up, get on my knees and, and say, say prayer. Um, and also I try to do that on my uh, on my Facebook page by, you know, putting positive things out there for kids, you know, for people, for adults that are going through hard times. 
Um, and my thing would just be, you know, to focus on something positive uh, because life is not easy. Life was never designed for us to be easy. But if you have a better understanding of what life is and what your purpose is, because, you know, like we teach here, Hope Fuse, you know, one of our programs is a North Star. Right. Because everybody has everybody has a talent. Everybody has something gifted about them. And once you find that true purpose, once you find your, you know, what your value is, I think life is, is much better. Um, so, you know, for those people that are going through hard times, just know that, you know, there's three things, you know, you either going through a storm, uh, you're coming out of a storm or you're in a storm. And, you know, storms don't don't last. And, you know, through storms is where, you you know, you build your character and that's where character comes through. And, um, you know, that's, you know, a storm is something like COVID-19, you know, so it's changed a lot of people's yeah. um, focus, view on life and what they're doing. You know, so I just I would just ask people to, you know, just to dig deep, um, believe in yourself. If you've had a dream of doing something, opening up your own business, whatever that may be, you know, just take time to, you know, to to increase your personal development. You know, that's reading something. Um, pray. If you've never prayed before, as you know, it's just a, it's just a conversation. There's no secret to prayer. Yeah. Um and I would just say, you know, if you if you want to learn more about Whole Fuse, you know, just visit our website, uh, wholefuse.com. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Uh, I got to I got to get better at our Twitter uh, page. I try not to be uh, Twitter happy. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, there's there's enough people on Twitter <laughs> flapping their fingers around more than they should be. Isn't that right? Exactly. Exactly. So if anybody want to make a donation, um um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, God willing, with the proper time and in the, in the, in the right time of season, we're going to expand the organization and reach more kids that uh, that are in need of these services. Um, I'm trying to think what else, if I've left out anything. Um, it's so I, cool. Well, I'll make sure I include your Facebook, your website and your donation link. And then the four documentaries you talked about. Um 13th, I, I I need to watch that. I have it on my save list, and I know okay. that talks a lot about the prison system. Yes. Um, I did see Just Mercy. That was really good. And When They See Us was good, too. So thank you for those recommendations. Definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ness. The, the last thing um, I just want to ask is, and you're going to probably give me the same answer because you're so awesome, and you are going to just <laughs> say the same thing about, like, you know, now you're married, you have a son, right? Like, yep. what type of world do you, do you want your son to live in? I know that's kind of a dumb question, but but what do you want him to believe as he grows up that maybe you didn't fully believe as a kid? Like, what, what compassion or grace do you hope he gives himself as he, he ages? Yeah, so, you know, for me, um, you know, I had my mother-in-law that actually asked me this question um, you know, with the whole race and everything that's going on. And, you know, I simply just let her know, like, listen, he's growing up in both of both, both worlds. Right. So he's going to he's going to have to learn who he is. And that's going to be my responsibility to to teach my son um, that, yep, he's going to get treated differently because his skin is a little darker than most kids. Um, but him just knowing and having that family structure where he says uh, my wife's side of the family where he gets treated just like anybody else. Everybody, um, else. Gets, yep. everybody else, he gets treated the same on my side of the family. And it's, it's our responsibility as parents. Uh, it's my father, my in-laws responsibility as, as, as grandparents, uncles, whatever it is to this kid to, to make sure that he, he gets all the love 
that is needed so that he knows who he is so that he's not lost when it comes to, you know, anything with race. Um, and, you know, what I what I hope for, for my son is that um, he gets a lot of opportunities that his daddy didn't have just because his daddy was black. Um, I mean, but my son, you know, he's uh, um, he has no fault to himself. He has no no room or no excuses for anything. You know, he's he's going to be awesome. Kids going to be taken care of. He's going to be great. Um, my biggest yeah. is just uh, just, you know, our, our country. And, you know, just to get over the whole yeah. race thing, because, I mean, any day if you're a white man, you're a white woman. Um, if you get cut, you're going to bleed red. I get cut. Yeah. I'm going to bleed red. Right. You know, so yeah. we're not different. We are humans. Our pigment is just a little different. Uh, you know, so one of the things yeah. that I actually had growing up, which was tough. And I actually asked my father this is why is it uh, why is Jesus portrayed as a white person? Why is it we only see white angels? Why is it that we only see a white Santa Claus? Um, and I think that's done strategically um, to just let people of color know that maybe you're not good enough to be a Santa Claus or maybe pictured into the Bible. Um, but that is our responsibility to teach to teach the kids know that, hey, you could be anything that you can be um, if you believe and if you have the right structure, the right support system. Yeah, and for me, that, that happened when. Um, you know, it's crazy not to get political, but when I saw President Obama become the first black president, um, I remember uh, crying because I knew people before me, uh, you know, ancestors that that suffered, never got to see something actually happen. Um, you know, I don't agree with, with everything that President Obama did. Uh, he's a human. He makes mistakes, just like every other president. Just like all of us. Yep, that's right. right. So uh, yeah, that I, was. Yes, I... I was emotional too, and I'm not a black person, so I can only imagine how like a get like jaw dropping it was to see that like wow like yeah it took it took I would you know honestly I would say it took about you know uh, 48 hours for for it to actually sink in. Um, I was yeah. actually at my college, my, my girlfriend in college. I was actually at her dorm. I was getting so emotional that I had to leave and go back to my place and just like let it soak in. Um, yeah, wow. it, was, it was, uh, it was very emotional, but you know, we've come a long way. I mean, look at me now, you know, I'm a president CEO of my own company. Um, and I have more to come and, you know, that's just something that I have to show my son, like, Hey, listen, you can do whatever it is. I don't, I don't ever want to hear you make an excuse that you can't do this, uh, because of your skin color or you can't do this because, yeah. you know, uh, and, and I'm the same way when I've worked in group homes where people are like, well, I can't do this because I'm disabled. I don't care. If you want to ride a bike, we're going to go ride a bike. If you want to go, yeah, we're going to figure alley, it out. Yeah. You figure it out one way or another, you know. So, yeah, um, I really don't like to, to hear people make excuses because you could do it. You know, girls, well, I can't do. No, you're yeah. going to do it. You know, so I guess yeah, that's yep. my last yep. little uh, my last little nugget. Love it. Well, uh, thank you so much, Ness. What has your son taught you? Like, as being a father, I'm not a parent. I mean, man. do you feel crazy some days? I'm sure, but what, you know, what some do you think about? He's a he's a handful, but he's also a spitting image of me, right? Literally yeah. spitting image. He has uh, his personality is, you know, is, you know, waking up and hearing my son's voice or putting him to bed, um, or just seeing him just be goofy or do silly things. It's it's priceless. It's priceless, you know. So yeah. a father is being a father is a blessing. Um, yeah. You know, so I do amazing. my best. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I tell you that a lot of. A lot of sleepless nights, you know, when they're growing up. But I mean, I could do this 
I could do this 10 times. Yeah, very cool. Well, hey, that kid's lucky to have you as a father, and he's going to be an amazing member of the society along with all your other kids, your future kids. So thank you. Thank Ness, you. Th- thank you for being the man that you are. It sounds so corny, but I'm dead serious. And, <laughs> you know what? Thank um, you for thank- uh, reaching out to me, and thank you for taking this time. Uh, you know, I, I want to give that, give those kudos to you and give that respect back to you also. Well, thank you very much. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Have a good one and take care. I appreciate it. Likewise. This has been Push Diaries Podcast. Please visit our website at pushdiariespodcast.com to see our mission and learn more about the guests. This is your podcast, too. I want to hear your stories. Email me at pushdiariespodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com forward slash Bush Diaries Podcast. Thank you for listening.